are listening to Danvers Audio, a podcast by the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Thanks for listening. This is Grant Castleberry, Executive Director for the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, and I'm here with Dr. Danny Aiken, President of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Aiken, it is fantastic to have you on our podcast. Well, Grant, thank you. I'm very honored to be a part of it. Yeah. Uh, this We are at the Evangelical Theological Society meeting, and uh, Dr. Aiken delivered a paper this morning talking about raising kids for missional context and just propelling... Uh, our children out into missions, and so we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Right. Uh, why is complementarianism so important as we think about reaching the nations? Well, I think that in uh, many cases, uh, the dad sets the pace, mm. and uh, he provides the leadership, and if the father is passionate uh, for the nations, if he has a heart for lost people and the gospel and evangelism, it's almost certain that his kids will have it as well. Not that the mom cannot communicate that, but the fact of the matter is children, especially boys and girls, look to their daddy as their hero. And if dad thinks certain things are important, they also tend to think that those things are important. So that's one of the reasons that men in particular who've been given this leadership assignment by God in marriage and family should indeed be setting the example and setting the pace for their children so that, again, as I kind of said this morning, though I do believe many, many things are taught, I'm also convinced that certain things like getting the uh, Great Commission bug into your system is something that's caught. Now, you're father of four sons, yes. six, six grandsons. Mm-hmm. What quality? Five granddaughters, too. Five granddaughters. Yeah, I want don't to talk don't about, leave them out. We'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Okay. Uh, what, what qualities do you expect to see in young Great Commission men that are coming to Southeastern, leaving Southeastern? What do you want to see in those men? Well, I want to see that uh, they take very, very seriously the Great Commission. There are many different facets to ministry, but I like to say I think the Great Commission should be the umbrella mm-hmm. under which all the other things take place. And I, I'm just convinced, Grant, if the Great Commission is permeating the other things— you will do them better. So, for example, I think you, in a seminary context, will teach Greek and Hebrew better. I think you'll teach church history, theology, ethics, and philosophy better. I think you'll teach preaching and pastoral ministries better if you're always asking the question, how am I teaching this and how am I doing this with a view to fulfilling the Great Commission? And I think it keeps us from becoming theoretical, keeps us, especially those of us in the academy, from becoming ivory tower because we've got our our feet on the ground and we have our heart in the right place and therefore our hearts informing our minds as we do theology, as we perform pastoral ministries and and as we serve and hopefully build up a a local body of believers. Now you, five five granddaughters. Yes. How does focusing on uh, the nations, reaching others, transform womanhood? What do you want to see from, from the young ladies coming to Southeastern, your granddaughters? Well, I want them to understand that even though, that's not even the way to say it, especially within a complementarian context, they can fulfill very valuable and important roles in terms of getting the gospel uh, and sharing the gospel with the nations. 
I think we need to remind ourselves the vast majority of persons on this planet in terms of gender are women. They're female. So, for example, let's just take uh, the missional context within Islam. A man cannot witness to a woman within the Muslim context, just like a woman can't witness to a man. So that's when I really get after men sometimes, and I say, you realize you're condemning millions of Muslim men to hell without a gospel witness because if men are not on the mission field, they're not going to hear the gospel because a woman cannot right. talk to a man in that kind of one-on-one -on -one intense way. Only a woman can talk to a woman. But a man can't talk to a Muslim woman. It's not allowed either. Mm -hmm. So we need women who are on the field ministering to women, the majority gender on the planet. And, of course, we also know that women, both biblically and practically, have vital, vital relationships in ministry to children. So there's no reason to think that uh, within a complementarian context, women are somehow cut out of the Great Commission assignment. They're vital to probably two-thirds of the world's population. Mm -hmm. yeah, speaking of reaching our children, uh, this morning was just so impactful to me listening to you unpack you know, these 10 ways that we can uh, really motivate our kids to, to, to look outside themselves to, to, the, to the nations and then even the neighbor next door uh, for the purpose of the gospel. And can you kind of go through, uh, we don't have to go through all 10, but, but a few of those uh, for our listeners. Well, I talked about being incarnational, mm -hmm. and I still believe that we learn the gospel best by realizing that God came into our world out of love and mercy and kindness in the person of his son, Christ. In other words, just said another way, how do I really know that God loves me? Well, I know it from the Bible, but what does the Bible tell me? The Bible tells me that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He came into our world and got down on our level and incarnated his love. Well, then I mentioned, secondly, that trans translates naturally into watching a Parents love one another. Watching my dad love my mom, watching my mom love my dad, there we're giving our children a tangible expression of the love of God as the parents love one another day in and day out. And, of course, there's a great gospel opportunity there when you say to your children, well, you need to understand the way you see daddy loving mama is exactly how the Lord Jesus loves us and how God loves us. And so you get to show them then the gospel in real-life activity as you model gospel living. Uh, we talked about spending time, and, and I'll just stay there and, and we can move on. Mm -hmm. I, I grieve in this day and age where there's so much demand on our time. Uh, all this technology was supposed to make life easier. It didn't. It just made life busier. And if we're not careful, there are a lot of wonderful technological babysitters out there. In fact, let me say playfully, uh, I don't think any family should be allowed on a plane that is traveling international without an iPad per child, <laughs> an iPad per child. I you agree. say, why would you say that? Well, yeah, because that may be the best <laughs> babysitter I have ever seen in my life. So that's the good end of it. The bad end is, what if I allow that technological babysitter to take the place of me hour on hour on hour on end, day after day after day after day? Well, then it's like in many cases, we've taken a good thing mm -hmm. and turned it into a bad thing, and thereby we've neglected the fact that our children, though they can certainly be value, uh, find value in things like a computer, an iPad, mm -hmm. and all these other things, that cannot supplant the needs that they have for their mom and their dad. It just simply cannot be done. And also this, 
uh, and I mentioned this this morning as well. Parents have to recognize what kind of children God and His sovereign providence has given them. Mm-hmm. Some of us have children that are just very easy, very pliable. You know, you point them in the right direction, and off they go. And you don't really have to invest a massive amount of time in disciplining, instructing, motivating. They just are motivated, and they naturally follow your instructions, and off they go. Other children if I can again be playful, pop out of the mama's womb with their fist up, and they're looking for you. And basically, <laughs> they are determined to engage you in a battle as long as they're under your watch care. Well, those children, high maintenance, require a lot more time, a lot more attention, a lot more investment. And I fear, Grant, that many times some parents just simply say, well, I'm just not going to make that investment and I'll just trust God. Well, actually, you're not trusting God. You're mocking God because God gave you the responsibility to mold and shape that child for his glory and for their good. And what I've learned is some of the children that are kind of stiff-necked and mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, hard in terms of their will, if that can get pointed and molded in the right direction, they wind up being those who soar the highest for the glory of God. The, 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 the negative, if it's dominated by sin and the evil one, becomes a great positive when it's brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You talked about also getting around missionaries, yes. lifting up uh, Christian biographies mm-hmm. and missionaries. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you do that? Well, my own life was massively impacted my first year in Bible college when I read To the Golden Shore by Courtney Anderson, which is the story of Adoniram Judson, and I can add his three wives. He was not a polygamist. He buried two wives, and his third wife, uh, Emily Chubbuck, buried him, and then she contracted tuberculosis from him while caring for him, came back to America and died just a couple of years later. And you think, what a tragedy. Well, there are 675,000 Baptist believers in Myanmar today because of the Judson, so I don't think it was a tragedy. Well, their story just so motivated me and opened my eyes up at that young age, I was 20 years old, uh, to the nations and and to what was uh, possible when someone brings their life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Well, again, I want my children, and I did, uh, want them to be exposed to stories like that. Now, I didn't have any quorums with them reading stories of great historical figures in America or the world. I'm an athletic uh, fanatic. I didn't mind them going, coming home and saying, I read a story today about Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig. I read a story about Walter Johnson. I read a story about Sandy Koufax. I can keep going, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. Fine. But I did not want them to be their ultimate role models. I wanted them to see beyond the superficiality of athletics to something that has eternal significance and value, and missionary biographies can do that. And as I mentioned this morning, two of my boys named, one of my sons is named all of his sons after Bible names, which is what I did, Nathan, Jonathan, Paul, and Tim. But two of my sons have named their sons after missionaries, Micah Elliott, after Jim Elliott, and Judson, uh, who is named after Aaron Judson. And both sons did that because they have a heart for the nations, uh, having been impacted by the stories of those particular men and their families. I also love what you're doing with your uh, with your grand grandkids, setting aside this missions fund mm-hmm. for them. Can you kind of tell that that's such a great idea? I've never heard that before, and I think our <laughs> listeners would. That's just going to really inspire uh, 
some of our listeners. Well, it wasn't my idea. I was at a pastor's conference some years ago, and a good friend, Al Gilbert, was preaching. And he talked about it's one thing to pray that God would send your children to be missionaries. It's another thing to pray that God would send your grandchildren to be missionaries. And then he said one of the things that KK, his wife, and, and he had decided to do was create a missions savings account so that when their grandchildren took their first mission trip, their grandparents would be the major financial contributors to that. And Charlotte and I thought, what a great idea that we would begin to save money to send our children, hopefully when they're teenagers at the latest, mm-hmm. uh, on an international mission trip. And so I just set up an automatic withdrawal from my uh, uh, my check that I receive uh, every couple of weeks. And uh, with 11 grandkids, uh, we need a significant amount of money in there. And I have to be fair, we, we're at a later stage in our life. I make more money now than I've ever made before. And so we now have over $20,000, and it's building. That's amazing. It's building uh, just a little bit at a time so that when they get to that point, we'll be able to be a part of ensuring that they have the necessary funds to go and share the gospel with people. That is that is. If so you just inspired, do a little yeah. bit of time, it adds up. It's just like any other kind of savings account. It adds up over time. And, of course, again, uh, I guess a good question for all of us to ask ourselves is, all right, well, what am I saving my money for? Mm-hmm. And for us, we decided saving money to send our kids overseas was a good thing to do. That is, that is great. That has been just such a good time having you on the show. Dr. Thank Aiken, you. thank you for your time. Thanks, Brandon. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please visit us at cbmw.org, where you will find more resources to equip you to think biblically. We would also like to tell you about an exciting upcoming opportunity at CBMW. In April, we will be hosting a T4G pre-conference, The Beauty of Complementarity. The event will feature 27 speakers in two days, including John Piper, Jackie Hill Perry, Mary Cassian, Alistair Begg, and Darren Patrick. Please visit our website for more details. Again, thanks for listening.